message that I consider a very, very important message. Um, if you look into the body of Christ and by the grace of God, I've been walking with my brothers and sisters in Christ for some time. And I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot. I've suffered a lot. Hurt a lot. And so you gain experience. And then you begin to see things. And for me personally, I observe a lot. I don't say much, but just, well, now I say a lot if you talk to me about scriptures. <laughs> but I observe and I come up with conclusions as to what's going on and ask God what's really happening. So I want to talk about some of one thing that I consider a real, uh, I won't call it a problem, but something for you to be very aware of. Something for you to really take a hold of. Because if you don't, you can wreck your faith. You can really wreck your faith. You still think you're in faith, but it's gone from you. And then the struggles begin. I want to talk about that. It's called a good conscience. The good conscience. And uh, tonight I will be speaking on the power of the good conscience. Now stand up. I think you forgot. You think I forgot, but I didn't forget. I'm not that sleepy. <laughs> okay. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the land. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Nor did I turn away. Amen. It's so good to have Amy's mom here and Amy's sister. We're glad. Thank you for singing for us. I heard you sang on Sunday too. Thank you. The power of a good conscience. The Bible tells us that we are drawing closer and closer to the coming of Christ. And the Bible also tells us as you see the day approaching... Meet more often. Meet more often. So we need to meet more in Christ. We are children of God. Now, another thing that's important with regards to meeting more often is this. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. In other words, chase after peace with everybody. No matter who they are. Chase after peace. And it says, and holiness. And holiness. We don't talk a lot about this these days, but it's very important for the Christian life. And it says, without which, no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. Without which, no one will see the Lord. It's one thing to be a Christian. It's one thing to live as a Christian, it's one thing to be known as a Christian. But if you don't pursue peace and holiness, you may not see the Lord, according to the scriptures. And God will not lie. So this is very important, that we pursue peace and we live a holy life before God. Not just serving God and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but living a life that is worthy of our profession. That's our faith, our confession. We are Christians. We are called to be holy. We are called to live for Christ. We are called to live for Him. 
It has a lot of facets with regards to holiness. There are things to do. There are things not to do. There is faithfulness. All of these constitute holiness. We've got to be holy before God. God wants us to be holy. And the holiness is by faith. And so when it's not by faith, it's sin. This is not something that you can do of your own. It comes through faith. And faith comes through the word of God. You have to pay attention to details concerning the things of God. The things that God says are important. You have to go after them. Pursue peace with all men. Why? Because you will be provided with opportunities not to pursue peace. Whether you like it or not. Jesus said it's impossible that offense will come. You will always have something to offend you. You will always have something coming your way. This is going to come to you. But God is saying, if you are a believer, and if you want to see God in peace, then pursue after peace, not with some people, with everyone. Now, you may not be able to make peace with everyone, but you need to pursue it. You have to be doing something. God will know where your heart is, whether you're doing it or you're not. You have to pursue peace with all Men, everybody, all people, and holiness before God. So again, love the Lord your God. Say, the, say where it comes in there. Love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's what God wants. Those two must go together. Now, the born again spirit. That's, I want to talk a little bit about the born again spirit. There is the born again spirit is called the new man. Your new self. Before you were born again, your spirit was called, according to the New Testament, the old man. That's your old self. And the Bible says to put away the old man, put to death the old man. Give room for the new man. That's the new self. The new you. Now, the new you, that's a spirit. That's your spirit. Your new born again spirit. I need to let you know that Adam was made in the image of God. But God didn't have flesh and blood. It was his spirit that was in the image of God. So, because his spirit was made in the image of God, he had in himself the nature of God. And he he communicated with God. And that was the primary part of his life. That was the ruling part of his life. That was what controlled everything that he did. But then, when he sinned, he was born again. <laughs> His nature changed. He was reborn. He took on the nature of the enemy, Satan. And that's why Jesus said, you are of your father the devil, right? Well, they were not born by the devil naturally in human flesh. But they were, the spirit, their spirit was, this, they had the nature of their father. He says, the works of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He never abode in the truth. When he spoke a lie, he spoke from himself. He was a liar and a father of lies. 
So that was that. So you have to understand that when you were born again, you have a new person. It's a new person, a new spirit. Before Adam sinned, his spirit that had the nature of God controlled his person and everything that he did. But when God chased him out of the Garden of Eden, he had to survive. He had to survive in a hostile world. So his, his eyes have to be keen. Watch out before, otherwise you're going to get killed. He's hearing, they have to be keen. You got to hear, taste, smell. <laughs> if something smells bad, you know you're not to eat it, right? You're not going to eat that stuff. It smells bad. That's <laughs> survival. So Adam had to survive using his five senses. Because he was no longer the spirit man that had the nature of God. The spirit no longer controlled everything that he did. He took on the, set, the nature of Satan and the works of his father. He'll do. He was the son of God. Now he was the son of Satan. No man wants to be called that. Even the Jews didn't like it when Jesus spoke about it. But when you are born again, you have a new spirit that has the nature of God and wants to do things just like your God. You don't, you're not happy when you get drunk as a Christian. Hello? Mm-hmm. You're not going to sleep well when you got up and you know you've been drunk if your, heart, if your conscience is still in place. If your conscience is still in place. If you have a good conscience, you don't feel good. You don't even feel like going to church. It's painful. It's painful. You dread it. And God forbid you go to church and pastor says anything close to what you just did. That's going to be really painful. See, God cut me. That's the new you. But you know, the new you and even your old self had a voice. Remember, Adam had received the nature of Satan, but he also had the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Guess who the umpire of that was? The conscience. The conscience. That's the umpire. That's the controlling factor. But I also let you, I want to let you know that your new born again spirit has the umpire as well. It's called the good conscience. There was a conscience and the Bible. You can read through the Bible. The Bible says good conscience. You got to maintain that. It's up to you. If you don't, you wreck your faith. You wreck your faith. It's so important. Watch out for your conscience. It's always there. But you can tell him to be quiet and not speak to you. And you keep doing stuff. And then you come up with justifications. 
why this is okay. While you can still go to heaven and see the Lord, even though you're talking, you're doing this. Why grace is okay. And I know grace is good. Good conscience. Holiness. You may not see the Lord. Pursue peace with all men and holiness. And the umpire for that is your conscience. He tells you, uh uh-uh, that's wrong. That's okay. You need to repent. You've just done something wrong. You need to do it. At that point. Now, we're coming to it. Now, if you don't do that, slowly but surely, you'll be receiving a defiled conscience or a bad conscience. Once that's taking place, you see everything through those lenses. And you never listen anymore. Your faith is sealed. It's very important. This is very important that we maintain a good conscience. Now, I'm speaking to a Wednesday night crowd because this were the workers of God. These are the people that do the work of God. The people who have a heart for God. But it's these little foxes who come, come into that. The little foxes that spoil the mind. That we have to watch out for. Not the biggies. The little foxes. Just the little things that seem to be insignificant. No big deal. They are the ones that will dull your conscience. And cause you so much trouble and so much pain. And I will come into that. So the conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your born again spirit. God tells us. A new heart also, that's Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. A new heart also I will give you. And a new spirit I will put within you. So you're a new person. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. That's your new created spirit. It has the nature of God. You're born again. A new person. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. You are a new person. All things are gone. You are a completely new person. Now, your spirit now is supposed to rule over your life. Just like what the way it was before Adam sinned against God. But the problem is we are still in the flesh. And so if you read in Galatians chapter 5, there is war going on constantly. Go from Galatians chapter 5 from verse 17. It's always war going on. You want to do what's right, but there is another force. And the conscience is the umpire. He's telling you. So, if you're going to live for God, maintain a good conscience. So, the conscience is the voice of our spirit. The spirit of God who is created in Christ. And maintained by the Holy Spirit through love. Through love. Your good conscience. Maintained by the Holy Spirit through love. You know, like I said, the old man also had a conscience. Or the voice of his dead spirit. That's the umpire. Many of us, before we were born again, when you did something wrong for the first time, you're worried about it. 
If you didn't, I was there. I did something wrong. And when the kid gets in the cookie jar for the first time, it's not fun for that kid. He's praying that mama doesn't find out. Right? <laughs> There's that voice. And Paul referred to that. In Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, he says, For when Gentiles, that's non-believers, Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show by the work of, work of the law, written in their hearts, now, the law, hearts, that's interchangeably, you can use the word, the word heart or the spirit. They are one and the same. The word of God, the word law of God written on their spirit or their heart. Who show the work of the law written in their heart or in their spirit, the dead spirit, their conscience also bearing witness. So the conscience will always bear witness. So we got conscience here, bearing witness, and uh, bearing witness, and between themselves and their thoughts, accusing. So the conscience to the thoughts, conscience to the thoughts. The conscience is saying you shouldn't have done that, and you got to reason through what you've just done. So the conscience between themselves and their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. And God said, Paul says, even before you got saved, you got that as the umpire. So, now, you go to the Word of God, the law, that's in 1 Timothy 5, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, now the purpose of the commandment. What's the purpose of the commandment? The purpose of the commandment is what? Love. From a pure heart. Love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart. Upon these two laws hang, right? Yeah. That's the purpose. The purpose of God's commandment is what? Number one, love. Love is number one. You have to have love. You need love for a good conscience. So, it's love from a pure heart. What kind of heart? Heart, spirit, from a born again spirit. From a born again spirit. It's from a pure heart. Not the heart before you were born again. You're born again spirit. And you need to maintain that spirit in holiness. So that love will rule your life. Love will rule your life. It's love from a pure heart. And then from what else? From what? A good conscience. You need a good conscience. That's the purpose of the law. Love, not just love, but also with love, a good conscience. A good conscience is important for me as a believer. So I don't excuse stuff that I shouldn't excuse. Remember what he talked about, what he said about the old heart, the gentle heart, excusing them. Or convicting them. The same for the believer. When your conscience is not pure, you can't really operate in love. So, listen brothers and sisters. It's love from a pure heart. A pure spirit. 
the spirit of the living God in you. God, the purpose of the law is that he needs love coming out of you. From a pure heart. But not only that, but from a good conscience. And sincere faith. We need three of this. The just shall what? Live by faith. The just live by faith. Faith will not work without love. And if you have no good conscience, your faith will not work. You have to maintain a good conscience. That's why I titled the message, The Power of a Good Conscience. Because if your conscience is defiled, most likely your spirit is also defiled. And certainly your faith is not going to work. Or else your faith is not sincere. For me, sincere faith, just read it. Read it, there it says. And from a sincere faith. You claim to have faith, but your faith is not sincere because your conscience is defiled. Your conscience is defiled and your spirit is also defiled. So the law of God is not a work. There is no love coming out of it. There is no love coming out of it because the conscience is already defiled. This is, a, I believe, is a good message for me and for all of us. Because we have to maintain that good conscience. It's so important. There will be millions of opportunities in our lives <laughs> to have our conscience defiled. Our conscience is defiled. We have to recognize that. So we need that. This is what Paul said. From a sincere faith, verse 6, from which some haven't strayed, have turned aside to what? This idol talk. It's no, it's no longer a serious issue anymore. It's just something you do. You go to church, it's not there anymore. It used to be there. It's like a song I heard just from somebody singing. I was in church. The brothers were worshiping God, but my heart was cold. I felt nothing. I knew the spirit was moving, but I'm standing there empty, feeling nothing. Not moved anymore. And so you feel so uncomfortable, you don't want to go to church. That's a bad place to be. That's a real bad place to be. That's why some people don't go to church very often. It makes them feel so bad. They would rather be away from God's presence and we're coming to that. It's so important. Their conscience has been defiled. Listen to what Paul says. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 and 19. He says, I mean, we just finished the message on prophecy. Yeah. And people don't understand what prophecy is about. They think prophecy is just to predict the future. No, they can give you a word of prophecy. But you're not supposed to just take it and think, well, that's the way it's going to be. You've got to work at it. 
Somebody can put a word of prophecy over your life. Notice, this is, Paul says in, in verse 118, he says, this charge I commit to you. In other words, I'm committing you to a charge. I'm charging you to do something. Son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. In other words, several people, he said prophecies, not one, several people, including Paul, had prophesied over him on a one-to-one. They're good. They are from God. You believe them. You accept them. Prophecies prophesied over you from God. Previously made concerning you, it says that by them, by what? By those prophecies, you may wage a good warfare. You use those prophecies for fights against the enemy. You know, I heard of a man of God testifying his son uh, several different places. He was a minister, so they traveled a lot. And people have prophesied over his son uh, different things. And the son died. And he didn't know what to do. But as he was thinking about it, he remembered. People prophesied about the same thing. People who didn't know one another. From place to place. They said exactly the same thing. And he said, speaking to God, he said, now, God, this doesn't make sense. How can this be? How can he die before these prophecies are fulfilled? These people don't know one another. You spoke through them. How come this is not working? This is, this, this is a lie. I can't accept this. Guess what? The young man sat up. Because he was doing warfare with the prophecies that were spoken over his life. You don't make things happen. You just stay with the prophecy and stay with the word. And you can. Now, the Bible says that goes with faith too. He who believes does not make haste. If you're striving and walking, you're not believing. When you believe, you are at rest. Amen? So you wait and let God, you remind God. That's who gave the word, right? That's who to talk to. That's who to talk to. That's what that man did. But notice what he says. He says, According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by those prophecies, you may wage a good warfare. What's a good warfare? It's the warfare that you win. Amen? There is no losing in this. You're going to win if you use those prophecies. But in addition to that, look at what he said. Having faith. Okay? Having faith and what? A good conscience. You have to have a good conscience. Just because he's been prophesied over you, just because you can use the word of God, the prophecies for battle, if you don't have faith and a good conscience, it won't work. Go the other way. It just won't work. That's why I said that this is a very important message tonight. A good conscience. You have to realize there is a bad conscience, a defiled conscience, and a good conscience, a pure conscience before God. And you have many opportunities. Uh, God will give, allow that, 
And Satan wants to defile your conscience. So he gives you a lot of opportunities to get your conscience defiled. So as to whip you. And render you powerless in God. He watches to do that. You have to have a good conscience. It says, with some having rejected. They could care less about having a good conscience. They rejected it concerning faith. That's concerning Christian living. That's what he's saying. Concerning the love life. Living for God. If you reject that, you will suffer. <laughs> your faith will suffer shipwreck. That's what he says. You wreck your faith. You wreck your faith. And this happened to members and pastors alike. Pastors alike. I'm coming back to this later. But with pastors, one of the greatest troubles is bitterness. That's true. Because pastors get wronged a lot. <laughs> they feel like they've put an effort, maybe a sword in somebody's life and did so much for the person. And then the person turns and not only leave. They've been saying it, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. They all not only leave, but speak evil of the man. And he hears it, he's bitter, he's angry. And so I've heard, you know, I've been in a meeting in ORU, and a lot of pastors were so wounded. They have been wounded so much by their flock, and uh, they were bitter. And it was all pastors' conference, so the pastors were willing to own up to it. And some of them were really in tears. Just really, Angel and I, we were looking like, oh my God. Some of them had gotten to the place, the bitterness had caused them to be sick. After they forgave and cried, many of them were healed instantly. It's amazing. They've been preaching <laughs> with a defiled conscience. Can you believe it? For a long time, just preaching. Doing the work of God. That with a defiled conscience. It's very important. Every one of us is susceptible. I got to watch. You know what Jesus said? Watch and pray. You got to do that. I'm not just talking to you. It's the same thing with me. I have to watch. Things happen. How do you handle it? How do you deal with it? That's the issue here. But if you understand the message that when God recreated you, he not only recreated your new spirit, but he also recreated you with a new conscience, which God calls. Notice everywhere we read, he talks about a good conscience. Created us with that. And you can turn that into a bad conscience and still go to church. But you got a defiled conscience. And the worst things, let me tell you this. <laughs> if he's there, before long, it not only affects your life, it will also affect your home. It will affect your children. It will affect the church. It's a tough thing. It will affect everything around you and defile everything. We have to really watch out for this. Let me share with you ten things. I tried to come up with seven. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> ten things 
a defiled or a bad conscience will deliver to you. First one, the word of God doesn't move you like it used to. Before you hear the word of God and you he hits you. Every time you go to church, not in a bad way, but in a very good way. Sometimes you're in tears, but it's helping you. You feel good. Sometimes you need it to repent. It hits you. And you feel, but now, no matter what you hear, it doesn't affect you. You're sometimes a little happy hearing, but most of the time, it's just the same old. It's the same old, same old. I heard it before. I heard it before. Pastor, can you preach another message? We heard that before again and stuff. The word of God is always new. I can sit in the Sunday school class and listen to people speak, and I, I enjoy it. That's why I go to Sunday school, just to hear these men teach the word of God. I don't know everything. These men have something to share. And God's speaking to their spirit. And I can draw from what they are saying, and God can begin to reveal something new to me that I never thought about before. But it helps my spirit to think in a different way. But if the word of God doesn't move you, you still go to church, but you're just doing it like a religious person. Because you have to be in church. It doesn't move you anymore. Secondly, faith is a struggle. It's hard to have faith when you have a bad conscience. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes from your spirit, the new born again spirit. If the conscience is bad, the filter is bad, what you're getting is not quite what, you, what is written. But what is spoken is different. You have this lens over you, and you're not hearing it right. Most of the time, guess what we do? We divide it to the brother over there. He needs that word. Well, you need that word too. Yeah, we do that a lot. Oh, I wish this brother was in church today. He would have heard that good message. <laughs> Why was it not good for you? That's the issue here. So faith is a struggle. Now you begin to be afraid. You are afraid. There is anger. And there are also frustrations. That's number two. Number three, you get very critical. You get very critical. You can easily find faults. In what people are doing and what people are... Everything is not right. You met people like that, nothing is right. You can't do anything right. Everyone is bad. They, everybody, this one and that one and that one, that's because your conscience is defiled. If you're walking in love, you may not even see those things. Because love covers a multitude of sin. When those things become so obvious to you, so apparent to you, you see it in everybody, past all everybody, you gotta, your conscience is defiled. He's going to destroy your faith. Because you trust no one. Who could you receive from? Because everybody's wrong. And if you were with Jesus, he'd be wrong too. That's the defiled conscience. 
You have to really watch out for this. It's so important. You guard your conscience. You guard your conscience. It's so important that we do this. So you find fault. You see things, you see things that nobody else can see. And you point it out to them. And guess what? Once they see it, guess what happened? You just spread the defilement. <laughs> the Bible talks about that. You just spread it. And before, that's why I said, you suffer. Your home will suffer. Your friends will suffer. Your church will suffer. When there is a defiled conscience. Everybody's going to pay the price. Until there is a cleansing from heaven. So that the conscience is made new again. And God has provision for, for us. First John chapter 1 verse 9 makes it clear to us. God can purify that. But we have to own up to it. And ask God to give us a good conscience. Number four, you speak much of others' fault. It comes out of your mouth. You not only see it, but you begin to speak about it. And your shortcomings. Everyone has shortcomings. But love covers a multitude of sins. You don't see it. They have to show it to you. And you can see the contradiction of Jesus walking with those disciples. He never complained about what they were like. Many times they argued and fought about who was going to be the leader. The big shot among us. He won't say what afterwards he called them around and then he gives them a very good word. See, if you want to be the head, you got to be a servant. He gets that out of just spirit. But he was never mad at them. Neither did he abandon them. He stayed with them and taught them and encouraged them. That's a good conscience. So you don't speak much about what people are doing. Except for their edification. If you cannot help the situation, there's no, much, there's no need to spread it around. There's nothing can be done. Love will desire to change it. And if not, you pray about it. So that's the good conscience. Then there is, number five, then there is a strong desire for revenge. Your conscience is so bad, you're wanting to do something. Six, the joy of service is gone. You used to be happy serving people, serving God. Now you're still doing the same thing, but your heart's not there. A lot of pastors are in this service. <laughs> Preaching the message every Sunday, but they're angry and mad because of people have seen it happen. Especially pastors have to, to, to watch out for this. You know, I've said to people, read the Gospels, okay? You read where Paul, when he's writing to the church, he says uh, to the church in Rome, peace be to you. You read that? Peace be to you. The peace of God be multiplied to you. But every time he's writing to a pastor, guess what he says? And not only Paul, check the others. He'll say, peace, mercy. He wants them to have mercy. So, there's also peace, need, a mercy needed for a pastor. Pastor Andy, we need that. <laughs> Grace, mercy, and peace. We need that. So, the joy of service is gone. And then you find yourself, if you were praying a prayer warrior, 
you find yourself praying less and talking more about the things that you don't like. You're talking about things you don't like, but you're not praying about it. You don't pray for the people either. Why? Because that's not a good place to be. You pray less. That's number seven. Number eight, you study the word of God less. And if you study the word of God, it's for a fight. Okay? Just to make your point. Okay? That's funny. But it's true. true. Just to make your point. He's wrong, she's wrong. And I'm right. So what? Love is not going to go that way. A good conscience, not that way. The good conscience wants to edify. Wants to build up. Finding that opportunity when it's right to let the brother or the sister know for help, for edify. Bible says, don't let any word proceed out of your mouth unless it's good for edification. Right? That's what the Bible says. Unless it will build the other person up. And if he's not building the other person up, it's another word. From a defiled conscience. There's nothing you can do, you can pray. Or find somebody who is mature, can handle it, and pray with that person. For God to do something about the situation. Number nine. It becomes very easy to come up with an excuse not to go to church. Because it makes you feel bad. You have a good excuse not to be. Number 10. Yeah, this is obvious. It's only church that you talk about God. <laughs> Makes sense? You talk about God in church, but outside? Uh-uh. There's no need for that. Until next Sunday. So we talk more about God. My time is up. I need to probably get back to this again. But love gave birth to your good conscience. And love is the one that maintains your good conscience. You are a product of love. When there's love in the home, that's a happy home. When the conscience is defiled and you find fault, so much fault in your mates, there's going to be the third world war in your home. Because you see nothing right about your mates. There's no love. There abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Amen. Stand up with me tonight. Sometimes we have wounded consciences and uh, it makes us to see things differently. That's why Jesus said to the Laodicean church, let me put anointing oil over your eyes so that you can see clearly 
and know how to proceed as a Christian. Very important. What we want to pray for tonight is for a good conscience. That includes me. Because if you don't have a good conscience, you can make shipwreck of your faith in God. And you know, you may not even be aware of it. Satan won't allow you to be aware of it. Because he knows if you are aware of it, you will do something different. And be saved. So tonight, we need to ask God, please show me how to maintain a good conscience among my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to be with, like Jesus, to love one another. says to love as I loved you. That's a tall order. To love like Jesus loved, that's big, that's huge. And that's loving everybody, especially those who are of the household of faith. I need God's help. I really do. I really do. Let's lift our hands up tonight and ask God for help for our consciences. It's not only your born-again spirit. You have a good conscience. A good conscience that will tell you, son, that's the wrong thing to do. Daughter, that's the wrong thing to say. Ask for forgiveness so that your conscience is pure. So that you can see clearly and do what is pleasing before the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the good conscience that you have given to us. Lord, we claim that good conscience tonight. Lord, if there's any defilement that's taking place in our lives, you are God Almighty. You do not see like man sees. You see as the God of the universe. Man, we make our decisions based on, the, based on the outward appearance. But you look into the heart. You look into our conscience. And we're asking you tonight, O oh Lord our God, you are our Savior. Save us from a bad conscience. And help us to live a life of holiness. Help us to pursue after peace. With everybody. With everybody. As much as it lies with us. With us. Help us to do just that tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God has appeared to every one of us. Lord, we embrace that grace tonight. We embrace the grace of God. That we created our spirit we are new creatures in Christ Jesus we cannot be defeated because greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world we are the product of love because you are love and we can love because love lives in us thank you father for your grace thank you for your great mercy we submit to your Lordship right now, Lord Jesus. We submit to your Lordship. We submit our born-again spirit, our new conscience, our good conscience, to your Lordship right now, before the Father, in the name of Jesus. Take absolute control. God give us, God give us humility 
in our hearts. Because your word says you resist the proud, that you give grace to the humble. Lord, we humbly receive your word, what you've spoken in your word, that we might be profitable servants of our God. Not unprofitable ones, but profitable servants. Thank you, Father. We believe you have heard our prayers tonight. We believe you have transformed our hearts tonight. We believe we can love like Jesus loved tonight by faith. We believe we can love tonight because of Jesus, the presence of Jesus in our lives, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can pursue peace and holiness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.